Welcome to the Destiny Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. Just go over the four basic keys that Mark Verkler talks about in, in his book and teaches. And it's based on Habakkuk 2, verses 1 to 2. If someone could read that out for me, that would be fabulous. And this is where you can tell who reads the Bible regularly. It's like, well, Habakkuk, where's that? One to two. So it's one of the, the sort of minor prophets towards the end of the Old Testament. Oh, Okay, and so from, from that, those two verses, Mark Verkler came up with four helpful little keys or tips or tools or, you know, little teachings that, that help us to, to get into that sort of habit of hearing God's voice. And the first one was, um, he talks about going into his watchtower, is that find that place where you, you can hear God, that be a, a place where you're at peace, where, where you can just listen and hear him. So find a quiet place. That's key number one, which Rebecca's going to teach. Next one is like, I will look to see. So what is it that you're focusing on in life? Who are you focusing on? And um, so it's like, fix your eyes on Jesus is key two. Key three is, and then, and then God just spoke to Habakkuk. So it's just like that. God speaks through those spontaneous thoughts and um, that flow. And Phil's going to like cover that and go in more detail. Um, and then, and then, God told Habakkuk to write it down. Um, and so we're just going to, you know, suggest and um, that it's good to actually record in a book what you feel God's saying to you. So they're the four keys, um, and we will just keep reminding ourselves over the next couple of days what those four keys are. Okay. So first one, find a quiet place. Second, fix your eyes on Jesus. Third, recognize God's voice as a spontaneous flow of thoughts um, and fourth is write down what you see and hear okay Rebecca thank you very much thank you so this is broadly speaking find a quiet place and um, I just want to probably tell you some stories and um just say that I have really changed radically what I, ha- what I think about what I am going to say. If I told you, if I was going to speak to you 10 years ago, I would have had quite a formula for you. I'd have had quite a rigid idea of, you know, if you're a great Christian, you definitely will be getting up early in the morning. I never got up early in the morning, but I knew that if you were a good Christian, you would get up early in the morning I mean, there were times I tried, but, you know, I used to work shifts, I used to work nights, I used to work all sorts of things, and I used to have to be at work at eight anyway, so getting up in the morning was, I mean, that was a real way to get into 
complete abject condemnation about how absolutely hopeless I was because practically speaking, it was just about impossible. But I would have still told you that, you know, if you really want to be a good Christian, great Christian, then uh, you get up in the morning. Okay, if you're a night person, possibly you could spend, you know, till four o'clock in the morning and then go to bed. But that's how you would hear God. Uh, you know, you, you find a quiet place, you lock yourself in a prayer closet or whatever it is, and you have this time with God, and that is how you will hear God's voice. Now, um, you know, there are definitely times when I have physically gone away and I have physically found a quiet place. And some of us have really busy lives. I've not got kids, but I know what it is when you've got kids and it is just full on the whole time and they demand your attention the, the whole time. And so I think there is some place of, for some people, you actually really do have to find a quiet place. You do have to, you know, wait till the kids have gone to bed or, you know, get up early in the morning or the husband, whatever it is. And I, I understand that. But I think sometimes... There is so much anxiety in Christians' lives about hearing God and about all these formulas and about um, even what you have to hear God for that that I just, I, I've given up on it all, to be honest. So I'm really sorry if you want the 10 steps to how to hear God's voice and walk in his will. I, I feel like saying don't bother. And that's not to say that God doesn't have a will. It's not to say that God doesn't speak to us. It's not to say that he hasn't given us a life and, and even a purpose for our life because he has. But I think what I've begun to learn is God just doesn't speak in, in certain ways. And most of us, I mean, I'm aware I'm speaking to a younger audience and you haven't had the church background that some of us have had. So apologies if you haven't, um, but a lot of us, are speaking from quite a number of years of all sorts of baggage. And um, maybe you haven't got that baggage. And if you haven't got that baggage, fantastic. But even if you haven't got that baggage, when you minister to people, the people you minister to may well have that baggage. And I think having that understanding of why are people even saying this? Because I have never experienced this. It's just an understanding of what has been taught in the past and what is still being taught to many people. And it's not taught with a bad intention. You know, I will teach you stuff that is wrong, if, it's, if you can say wrong. I will teach you stuff that in 10 years' time I'll look back and think, oh, you know what, I don't believe that anymore. So I'm really sorry, that's how life is. And, and God will have said, you will have heard God say things to you 10 years ago or five years ago that you look back on and you think, you know, I'm not saying was it God, but it's kind of, I just don't think God really speaks in those ways that we have thought he has. So one of the, one of the big deal issues really is I, I, I was taught very, very strongly in my earlier church days that God has a will for your life, okay? And there is this perfect will for your life. And if you are really wholeheartedly following God, then this is going to be his will for your life. And that will for your life includes who you marry, where you live, which house you buy, uh, which job you get, which company you work for, um, 
etc., etc., etc. So basically, every single decision that you make, you have the choice is God's will or not God's will. And if you get into not God's will, well, we know that God is kind of merciful. So there's two options in God's mercy. So the first option is he will force you back onto that path. So that forcing back onto his path will either come through some sickness, calamity, something happening, some kind of punishment, some kind of terrible thing happen. And so God kind of forces you back into his will so that then you can carry on being this wonderful Christian that God really loves and you're back into his perfect will. <laughs> yeah. So the other option was you could be a kind of second rate Christian. And so rather than going in the perfect will of God, there was a permissive will of God. It's 11 o'clock. It's the fire alarm. I get to say Timo's line. <laughs> yeah. We just wait for a three. There we go. Um, so the alternative was God's permissive will, which meant, okay, you weren't living in abject sin. You weren't kind of doing all those things you shouldn't do. You weren't committing adultery and worshipping the devil and, you know, doing all those things. So you were in this kind of wider spectrum called God's permissive will, which meant, well, you weren't living in sin, but, you know, you could have done better. So you married this guy, but if you'd have married that guy, God could have done what he really wanted to do with your life. So you're okay. You know, God still loves you, um, but you kind of missed it but that's all right, God still loves you, isn't it? It was kind of, that was what we lived in. So we lived this kind of life of terrible, terrible anxiety because we, we had to hear the will of God. And, and to be honest, I, I know some people and, and you know, it, it gets to the point of, what do I wear today? God told me to wear a red dress because red dress represents this. And, and I'm not saying God can't speak to you and have a relationship with you like that. But some people, the expression of God speaking to them it gets to the extent that they don't know whether to have coffee or tea because they didn't hear what God said to them. And it sounds a bit ridiculous, but it's just the end point of this idea that there's only one will that God has for you. And, and therefore, we expect God to speak to us on that basis. We expect the way, not the way, we expect to hear God to answer those questions. Is it him or is it him? Is it this job or is it that job? Is it this country or is it that country? And, you know, God can answer those questions. But I'm more and more beginning to realise that those questions are really kind of ir irrelevant questions. And the reason why most of us don't hear God answer those questions is because he's, it's not he can't answer, but it doesn't do us any good if he does answer those questions because it's not on his agenda. And I'm not saying he doesn't care whether you, you know, get a job with Kellogg's or get a job with ICI. God's perfect will for our life, I don't believe anymore, has actually got anything to do with any of those things. God's perfect will for our life is who are we 
and who is he? And what is our relationship and what flows out of that? And, and I, I'm almost to the point where I'm going to say, I, I, I do believe he has a will for our life. And that's why we have prophetic words. And that's why God gives you a, an offer in prophetic words of, of what it is that you, 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 you could do, what he's put in your life and what is your heart. Um, so, so God does have some things that he's put into us. But I would say generally those things are, you're a lover, you're a healer, you're a, you know, you're a pastor of my people. And that doesn't mean that you get a job as a pastor. It means you have a heart that wants to look after people. And if you're looking after people in Kellogg's or ICI or in Antarctica or Canada, I, I honestly don't think God is sitting in heaven saying, it was Canada. It was Canada. And, and you've gone to Antarctica and, and it's like, get back. You know, I just can't see God doing that. And yet most of us have spent this still quiet place trying very hard to work out, God, I need to know, I need to know, I need to know. And, and I, I am going to get back to quite finding a quiet place because it is relevant. But most of us have given up finding a quiet place because we never hear God in that quiet place as we have thought that it was. Unless I'm just really unspiritual, okay? I have spent days away with God and I would say the least likely time I am ever to hear God is those times that I have gone away to hear God, possibly fasted, possibly got this Bible and I'm like, my God, you know, it's like, I need to know, I need to know and and so what I want to say is it's really important to find a quiet place. But what I would suggest to you is finding a quiet place is not, I'm going to go away for two days, I'm going to have a silent retreat, I'm going to fast, I'm going to whatever. Fantastic. I hear God in the bath, probably one of the most places that I hear God. And uh, I sometimes cry and cry in the bath. And it's like, that is exactly the point that I'm trying to make. There are practicalities of finding a quiet place. If you've got kids, probably sitting in the bath or sitting on the toilet is probably one of the times that you're most likely to be able to just say, sorry guys, you know, I'm not available for what you need. And so that is really exactly the point. And I think what we have in the past taught of as a quiet place has been all along these lines of anxiety to hear God, anxiety to get the right answer, anxiety to get to do the right thing, hear the right thing. And, and actually, you know, if you are anxious to hear God and do the right thing, you're already there, okay? You don't have to do anything to hear God because as far as I'm concerned, that quiet place is already there. And, and I, don't, I don't want to kind of in, encroach on other people's kind of what they're going to talk about. But I would say that quiet place is where are you in your life? What is your desire and what is your focus? And basically so many of us have been taught over the years that, you know, basically you're a dirty, rotten, carnal Christian and everything you want to do is wrong. And, and, and everything you want is going to be contrary to what God wants. Because basically, 
you are going to be contrary to God. So we want to hear God and God is going to pull us away from what we are doing and what we enjoy in order to kind of force us to do what he wants us to do, which we probably don't want to do. Yeah. I used to think in the past, like, oh, science and religion, like, isn't it? So it was like, oh, that wasn't that as well. But then it was like, no, he's given me, like, every time I look at science, like, all I can see is God. Mm-hmm. So for me, actually, studying science is actually me spending time with God. Absolutely, yeah. it so, makes yeah. sense. It absolutely makes sense. And I think a, a lot of, a lot of the, the, the key to hearing God is getting rid of all this anxiety. All this anxiety that will say, I, I can't hear God. Basically, my life is so contrary to God in many ways and everything that I want is going to be, you know, we used to have these talks about wrestling with God and God eventually will get his own way, but God will say something and we'll have to wrestle with God because we won't want to do it and we'll have to submit to God. Now, let me say, if you as a person have decided that you don't care what God says and you don't care what the Bible says, and you don't care about God and the focus of your life is, is not him and not loving him. You're still a Christian, right? But you just don't care because you just decided that, you know, you, you're living in unforgiveness towards God or hatred towards God. You know what? The desires of your heart can become contrary to God. OK, it is possible. But what I want to tell you is you're not in that category, None of you are in that category. It's quite hard to get in that category. I, I, I do believe that there's plenty of scriptural evidence that you can become apostate. You can reject God and refuse to receive his love and refuse to live in him. It's really hard. You have to try very, very, very hard to do it. But unless you're one of those people who is trying very hard to escape from God, and just do whatever you want to do, contrary to God, then you are in that category where your focus is on God and you love him. And the more you love him, the more you want him. But what what we lived in for ages was, yeah, we love God, but our, our basic self is evil and cannot hear God and contrary to him. So therefore, if we want to hear him, we've got to batter all this down Find a quiet place where everything of ourselves that is anything shuts up, gets trampled down so that we can do this extraordinary thing to hear God. And I would say that finding a quiet place, yes, has practicalities. So if your kids are screaming at you all day or your husband or wife is demanding of you and you've, or your work is busy or you're just busy, there might be that you have to withdraw. And Jesus withdrew, okay? If you want to look at Luke 5, 16, Jesus withdrew. Jesus prayed all night. Um, Jesus spent time with his father. If you get it, Jonas, do you want to read it? Luke, uh, Mark 5, 16. Many times Jesus did it. <laughs> you know why? It's not, I don't believe it's a pattern that Christians have to stay up all night, every night, in order to hear God. Have you got it? Uh, th- Luke, Luke, sorry, Luke, fine. 
16. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Yeah. You know why? Because when Jesus interacted with anyone, he, he couldn't stop flowing out who he was. Uh, and he has such a compassion and a need. And everywhere he went, he kept saying to people, don't tell people you got healed. Can you keep it quiet? Don't tell anybody. You know why? Because he, he was surrounded by a crowd the whole of his life. There was nowhere to go. He tried to get on a boat to go to the other side. The crowds were following him and the boats were following. So, so Jesus so valued time with his father. And I also value time with my father. Apart from the demands of ministry, children, crowds, whatever that there is that practicality of it, but it's not a religious thing. It's not that you can only hear God after you've spent three hours, you know, whatever. But there is a practicality to that. And actually there's a joy, you know, there's an absolute joy. The other day I, I booked a couple of days holiday and just thought, fantastic. I can just spend three days with just, I didn't pray, I didn't sit there and pray. I read my Bible a bit. I just walked. You know, I just walked because, you know, what? I love walking. I love the sun. I just walked. And I, I love what you said uh, yesterday, uh, Miriam, because, you know, I, I quite often walk and I say, God, have you seen that flower? I mean, isn't that amazing? And, and you can say, have you seen that snail? You know, whatever it is, maybe. I, honestly, I think that is, that is hearing and listening to God. And it honestly is as simple as that. And I didn't spend my time saying, God, should I teach on this or should I teach on that? What's going to happen with school? I said, you know, God, I don't want to make it sound like I did a spiritual thing. I did a very spiritual thing, but it's not what you think. I literally just walked around the streets and caught the bus here and there and, and just chatted to God. What did he say to me? Nothing in that, in that respect. I didn't have a, you know, five-fold plan for what to do for the next five months. It was just great. I loved it. And, um, and, and that, I would say, is the quiet place. And the quiet place comes from without, but it also comes from within. And most of us will struggle with the within. And I'm trying to break down some of the barriers to hearing God's voice. One is, don't ask, no, I can't say don't ask God those questions. God gives us wisdom. There is a promise of giving us wisdom if we don't know, we ask God for wisdom. And he gives us wisdom. And, and I sincerely believe that if it is absolutely 100% vital in God's plan or in God's purpose that you work at Kellogg's and not ICI, then that God will, God will work that out. He will tell you something will happen. But he will tell you because you have walked on this journey where you say, have you seen that snail? Holy Spirit, have you seen that snail? Isn't it amazing? And, and in that process of that walk in that quiet place, then when it comes to ICI or Kellogg's, it's not a big angst that I have to go away for three weeks to find out, is it this job or is it that job? It becomes a flow of your life with him. And I would say, if you don't hear, that's because there's no answer. It's not because you didn't hear, because my sheep hear my voice. And there's this picture of that. I, I'm not sure, I've never been to Israel, but apparently in Israel they put all the sheep together. 
So all the shepherd's sheep are all together in, in a very big flock. And when, and when the one shepherd comes to get his sheep, his sheep know his voice. So all that happens is that shepherd speaks his, whatever it is to his sheep, and his sheep out of that whole flock hear his voice. So what Jesus is saying is you do. I am yours and you are mine and you hear me. So, so the issue isn't that God doesn't speak. Nor is the issue that, that we cannot hear because Jesus says we hear him, we know him and we do hear him. So the issue is how do you recognize his voice? And that's not my topic. But So there's these two things. He speaks and we hear him. And very simple kind of, uh, kind of uh, illustration. God speaks the whole time. And he speaks a whole time to you and he speaks a whole time to me. And in the same way that there are radio waves in this room all the time. And we are receivers of God's word. Now, sometimes we just have to tune it a bit. Okay, It's not because we're not a radio. We are a radio and we can hear God's voice. It's just sometimes the internal working of our life is not, not just not able to hear. So one of the things I would say is don't keep saying to God, please speak, please speak, please speak. That is not faith. Faith is, this is what the word of God says, and I believe it. And therefore, my prayer is, God, I know you're speaking to me. Don't stay hanging on, banging on to God saying, speak, you're not speaking, speak louder. God is our father. And in the same way that you make sure your children hear your voice, God is more than able. So if your children are not understanding you, what do you do? You speak in a different way, don't you? You raise your voice. You get their attention. God wants you to hear him more than you want to hear him. And he is more than able. So we have to get out of this anxiety in this inner place of, I can't hear God, I can't hear God. God's not speaking to me. God's not speaking to me. God doesn't want to speak to me. That's not an issue. God desires to speak to us and he has promised and he does and he never stops speaking to us and um, that speaking may not be go left go right stop you idiot I said go right not go left that is not how God speaks to us okay so there is this constant speaking of God but sometimes we're trying to hear something that he, he doesn't talk that language okay so question in your experience, apart from the issue of setting aside a place, what, what is it that stops you hearing God's voice? What's, what is the struggle? Any struggles? Not, this is not a trick question. Trying too hard, okay. Another one? Is it me, is it God? Yeah, should make a list, shouldn't I? I swear I need my whiteboard. How come I'm teaching you that whiteboard? I know, it's okay. <laughs> trying too hard. What? Sorry, trying too hard. Sorry, sorry. Trying too hard. Is it me, is it? Uh, quick fire. What is it? Just the issue. That's not a problem. Too Next busy, one. Too busy enjoying God. <laughs> too busy enjoying God. That, so no, 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 no. Yeah, no, that is communion with him. No, I don't. 
that is communion with him. And and just fall asleep. Sleep is okay. Okay. Sleep is okay. God, your spirit, your spirit, and God's spirit is not asleep when you are asleep. I'm not saying you know the best way to do is you know go to sleep every night and not bother, but. Sometimes we just need sleep, and and the answer is sleep. Sleep is a blessing. No, 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 no. He gives his beloved sleep. Is that the one? Yes. And Jokey speaks to those while they sleep. sleep <laughs> yeah. 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 Maybe that's the way he speaks to you. Andy, were you going to? Diversions. Okay, very good. Yeah, very good. Anything else? TV, telephone. Diversions, yeah, we'll go for that. Worried, very good. Yeah, anxiety is a massive one. Anything yeah. else? When you think you've already, like, worked it out. Mm. You think you've worked your, your solution out. Yeah. And then God will try to tell you, like, something else. And you're like, nah, I've already got the solution. I'm like, okay, okay. Uh, yeah. 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 Another big one, maybe you guys don't suffer with this, but a lot of us did for a long time. Oh, his voice can be quiet. Okay, that's very good. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah. Yeah. What about guilt and condemnation? Does anybody? I, I spent hours. I mean, we were taught, you know, you can't hear God. Yeah, you can't hear God unless you're right with him. And, uh, you know, you can't be right with him if there's sin in your life or condemnation. So you would automatically go to God feeling condemned because that's what, yeah, yeah, that's what. Yeah. <laughs> You cannot. Yeah. You fall asleep while you're asking for forgiveness. So, so I think one of the real keys to your to our Christian walk is this idea of rest. And I know we've kind of talked a bit about it when we come talking to sleep. And sleep is a serious part of rest. You talk to somebody who cannot sleep, life becomes really miserable. Sleep is a gift from God. And if every time you spend time with God. Okay, sorry to use that phrase, but um, every time you set aside time specifically, I mean, people who are married are married the whole time, right? But when you are married, you also have a date with your partner once in a while, don't you? So when I'm saying spend time with God, there's no escape from God, guys. You can't not spend time with God. But there is something about saying, I'm just going to spend this time. Um, but that time, I think now, not in a self-indulgent way. It actually can be something you enjoy. I enjoy going out for a walk. You know, I enjoy swimming. I don't have to stop doing those things I enjoy in order to hear God. In fact, I think probably you're more likely to hear God 
doing those things because you're in a place inside where you are more able to do it. And that is not, it's not unholy. And I think we've kind of thought God is a holy God and we better be holy when we're listening to God and do something. So we, we can't do those things. And one of the things you might see in church, and I, I struggle with it a bit still, but you might see people sitting there with their crocheting and knitting and, and it looks a bit, um, what's the word? Irre irre irreverent. Irreverent, not holy, not giving reverence. And I think there are some times when we should stop everything that we're doing and give our 100% full attention to God. But often, yeah, but often, and to be honest, most of us, when God really gets our attention and we start living in that absolute flow of his kind of waves of loveliness, we don't want to do anything else. We stop doing it anyway. Um, but we, we, you know, if that's what you enjoy doing, then go and do it. And Alan will tell a lovely story about Kath wanting to hear God and him telling her to go shopping. And she got the biggest revelation she's ever had going shopping. She wanted to go on a retreat. Alan will tell the story. I don't want to tell his story, but it's holy, okay? It's holy to go shopping. It is holy to... Now, if you're going shopping because you're trying to escape from God and you're not interested in what he wants to say and you... You're probably not going to hear God, but we're not in that category, guys. You didn't come to that this school because you don't want to do God's will and you don't want to hear His voice, okay? And you, and you're absolutely hopeless. You come, you come because you're you're holy and, and so. Okay, go on. Yeah. I know. I just want to share something. Because I know for me, I, for me, it's always I struggle just with the sharing that I can and with that. I always struggle with just having my time with God in the way of, you know, like being in a quiet, because this is always how I thought it, like being in a quiet place being quiet and stuff like that and once God was just talking to me about, you know, like giving this picture of, of two people, which was Adam and Eve and then God and how they walked together in the garden I mean, this is what he says in the Bible as well yeah. that they were walking together with him and because the place where we live now this is actually how it should be, right, because there's some separation between us yeah. and God and, um, and then he gave, because he was thinking about it and like dwelling on it and then how I just Holy Spirit was just telling me like you know because I had this question right? like so did Adam and Eve you know did they have to have this time of like sitting down and like okay now God I have, I have my I have my intimacy with you I have my time with you but in the Bible it says they kept walking together so basically everything they did they were the whole time having a relationship with him whether they were I don't know what they did doing stuff in the Garden Eden or Whatever they did, they were constantly connected yeah. with him. And they, I don't think they needed this thing of, okay, every morning I need to get up. And if it's good for people, I'm not saying it's bad. But then for me, it was because I felt so much freedom in it. Because I knew this wasn't God's plan to push me somewhere that I had to do, that I had to. It's just Absolutely. And then yeah. Because they did life with him 24-7, yeah. yeah. constantly um, connected. And, so just to and I would say you can't really get out of the will of God yeah. when you are doing life with him and loving him and focusing on him. There are some practical issues, um, and, and it's not particularly to do with this time you've set apart. It's to do with any time in your life. So, practically speaking, um, trying too hard. What's the answer to that? Stop, Stop it. <laughs> Very good. It's faith, isn't it? it it's, it's 
going from a place of looking to my resources to giving up on my resources and, and going to God's resources. And that's what God's grace is. It's his resource for us. And, and it's speaking the truth. It says, God, I, I can hear your voice. I am your sheep and you speak. And that's faith. That's what faith is. And that is what walking by faith is. Walking by faith is not, come on, right, I've got to spend another two hours and God, I'm really sorry that I didn't hear you last time and I still haven't heard you and can you speak, please speak louder because I still don't know, should I do A or B or is it C or maybe I didn't even think of D and I'm really sorry that I'm a terrible Christian because I didn't think about D when you would probably really want me to do D and I can only think about A probably because I love doing A and I'm pro sorry I'm such a carnal Christian because God must be sitting up there saying, I love you I love you I love you <laughs> you know it's, it's, that's not how it is so you can't help but hear God's voice it's who you are it's how you are made to be okay is it me is it God I'm not going to answer that you're going to probably do that are yes. you or somebody okay um, diversions there's practicalities. Okay, practicalities of diversions. You understand what I mean? What can you do about diversions? Okay, how do you cut them off? <laughs> Very good. Sometimes, sometimes it is, it is a bit of a, just a spiritual distraction. Okay, I don't want to get into spooky kind of warfare kind of stuff, but sometimes it is just... Sometimes you have to speak to it. I do that quite often. I sometimes have to speak to my this and just say, can you be quiet? I don't have to say in the name of Jesus. But it's just sometimes you speak and take control because you have authority. And if that's your mind going wild, if it's, you know, whatever it is, it doesn't have to be a spooky thing or a, you know, spiritual warfare fighting demon thing. It's, not, it's just you have authority and sometimes it is just, just a minute, this is, you know, something's going on and I'm not. But I, I would say this practicality is turn it off, turn off the television. If, if you just can't, you know, if you're out of that kind of flow. What about the inner, what about the inner diversions? I, I found, we did, had a, did a lot of soaking um, in the early Toronto days of our church. And if you've never done soaking, basically... Basically, it's lying down, finding a comfortable place and doing nothing. And I would find I was working then and I'd, I'd I, first of all, I thought, this is ridiculous. What, what is life coming to? Christians now think that lying on the floor, doing nothing, somehow is going to save the world. Well, I, you know, I have to say soaking was probably one of the things that most set me free. But what I would do is I'd come in, we'd play the soaking music and I'd like, you didn't remember to do that. You didn't remember to do that. I must remember to put the bins out tomorrow. Uh, must do this, must do that. You didn't phone so-and-so. You didn't do this. And I would probably spend a half an hour and then i think, you're such a hopeless Christian, Rebecca, you can't even, you know, and then it go around, around, around. I found it helpful, personally, to say, to say, oh, thanks very much, little note, put the bins out, shut up about it. Okay, so practically speaking, for me, I just turned it around and said, thank you, write a note, that's it, I'm not going to think about that. 
I would literally write it down. I could literally, sometimes literally write it down. And, and rather than see it as an enemy, see it as, okay, that's something that is on my mind at the moment that I can't quite, quite hear God's voice because this is on my mind. And, you know, God knows we have things to do. So I just switched it to rather than thinking that's the devil, I think, Holy Spirit, thank you. I don't have to think about that anymore because you reminded me in a kind of way. It sounds a bit... But, and that's it. I, I can forget about that. So you, that's how I dealt with it. There then becomes the other inner issues of and what happens when you set aside time to hear God's voice, to love him, just to focus on him and just to spend time. For, in my experience, what then really happens that what then happens is the, but he did that. And it really irritates me that he did that. And man, mutter, 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 all the judgments, unforgiveness, all this kind of stuff that you're living in. And that's why we kind of started talking about, you've got to repent of your sin, you've got to do this, you've got to get right. You don't have to get right because you are right. But the parts in our life that are not yet in line with the true reality of who we are can take over our focus if we're not careful. So rather than our focus being on this absolute lovely union, glorious, wonderful love that flows and these waves of grace that is forever flowing to us and this wisdom of God that forever flows to us, we are dwelling in a slightly different place and we are dwelling probably in a judgment we've made over somebody. He did that because he's horrible. He did that because, um, or a judgment on ourselves. I'm so, whatever, hopeless, unworthy, unforgivable, unwhatever it is. You're ne you can never hear God because you're, maybe you live glorious mind lives and have never experienced that. I have spent days and still can spend days sometimes living with someone else, Andrew Womack says, renting space in your brain. So sometimes other people rent space in our brain. And I would say, don't let them rent space in your brain. Got better things to do. But we're really prone to it. Um, or I'm really prone to it. I don't have to live in it. But that is, I would say, when we're talking about finding a quiet place, I would say that is the most significant thing. It is quietening down all the turmoil of my unworthiness, other people's wrongs that they've done to me, my unforgiveness. And that's why I think most of the time when God speaks to us, what he speaks is, is um, just love, just love them. Just do this, do that. And out of that wisdom of God where he, you know, is saying, forgive, love them. Love them again. That's when, that's when you, you get the direction because it kind of... So, so I would say that is the, the real kind of quiet place. And there is a place of living in rest. And I'll talk a bit of time, of time about my time in Malaysia. But it's one of the things I really learned. I was really busy at work. I lived my life completely busy. I never had a moment. It was constantly, constantly. And then I went to Malaysia and their whole ministry principle was rest and to be honest, there are things in that that I would not agree with now. And there, there is a set of Christian belief that says you can't do anything until you've heard God. 
and that you must rest. And I'm telling you literally, you know, I know a group who will sit there in the prayer sanctuary and will not do anything. Literally. Because, God, because on the theological basis that, you know, you can only do what you hear God telling you to do. And if God hasn't told you to do anything, then you don't do anything. Because the only thing you're supposed to do is pray. So if God has t hasn't told you to do anything other than pray, then you don't do anything. It can get really extreme, okay? And, um, and I don't believe that is what the rest of God is. The rest of God is not doing nothing until he tells you to do something. The rest of God is this quiet place inside where you are settled, that you are loved, you are forgiven, you are his child, you can hear his voice, he does speak to you, there's nothing wrong with you. Um, I, I've lived for years thinking, but there's something wrong with me. Maybe I can't hear God, maybe I, whatever, there's nothing wrong with you. God didn't make, make some of us who just can't do it. There's no second-rate Christians, you know, we, there's no such a thing. It's it's because you mature. You don't speak to your adult children like you speak to your. But you don't. When your children are sixteen or seventeen, you're not going to speak to them like you speak to them now, are you? Because they know you, and you don't really have to speak in that way. So God speaks to us in those ways, kind of when we. But but then you you get to know Him. So there's a number of scriptures. Um, you know. Um, I'm going to get them mixed up now, but um, Isaiah 40, 28, 31, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength and mount up on wings as eagles. And that can be used to like, well, I ain't going to do anything because I'm waiting on the Lord and God hasn't told me to do anything. I tell you, God will never tell you to do anything. Sorry to say, if that's your attitude, then you will wait forever. And I think that's a real strategy of the enemy to dis able the church from doing anything what God has wanted us to do is live life and live life abundantly and that means bring up your kids do your job well do your neighborhood well that's what our job is okay love well live love love you live loving you um but God does say wait and wait has to do with our our focus and it, it's the same idea of being a waiter okay waiters in restaurants are busy right they're doing stuff but their attention is on you so that if you, you know, want the bill or something. So it's that kind of waiting. It's a, my focus is on you, but I am carrying on what I'm doing. But there's a stillness inside and an attention inside. Um, there's this, um, this, vo this um, bit in Isaiah. Isaiah 30. I I'll... I love this verse, um, verse 15, Isaiah 30, verse 15. It says, For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. And I just, that's one of my kind of really kind of verses that I go back to. And that's the heart of God. It's, it's in rest. 
It's not in striving. It's not in trying to be something that you're not. It's in rest. And that, that actually is what faith is. Faith is a place of rest, I would say. And, and that's where it's quietness and confidence. But, but that doesn't mean to say doing nothing. It's an inner place of stillness. And the interesting thing is God then says, but you would not. He's talking to Israel. And sometimes that, that's who we are. We, do, we won't. God, God knows his people, he says, but you won't. Because we, we like to do, do, do. And, and um, so that's what God says. And then further on in this, in this uh, chapter um, is this kind of famous verse, verse that we know, 21. It says, your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Whenever you turn to the, to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left. And that's the scripture that's been taken out of context that says, you know, God is behind you going, right, right. I said, right. You know, you've messed it all up. That's not how God works. He is just there with us. And it's almost like I don't think you can go wrong with God, honestly. And um, I, I want to tell you kind of two, two stories. Um, one just this week, okay, so there was one day before... Um, school that I just got really upset about a number of things and I, I really get upset with myself for getting upset these days because <laughs> it's like I don't have to live I don't have to live in anxiety and stress and being upset with people and frustrated with people because it actually isn't who I am and it's not important and me being upset Andy has this phrase of being the best person you can be and me being upset and frustrated is not the best person I can be for you guys because, you know, I can be a kind of nice person. Anyway, I got upset and frustrated. Now, my default in that point would be to start beating myself about that. And my immediate default would, would have been, you didn't spend enough time with God. You didn't spend enough time with God. That's why you're, you know, not living by the Spirit. You're not kind of, you know, but that's a lie. I can't not spend enough time with God, right? Because I, I'm with him. And, and the reason, I, I, there was not any point in my life in the last however many weeks that I deliberately decided not to live in my communion with God. I, in fact, I'd just been away for three days and, and, and had plenty of time. And, and um, so I didn't go down that path, thank God. And I didn't like kind of cross out my calendar and start saying, right, I've got to spend time with God because I'm behaving really badly. Uh, I was behaving badly and I don't like behaving badly. But I got in the car and I've learned not to be so mean with myself because it doesn't really help. And, um, and Godfrey Bertel had been here a few weeks ago and I'd bought his CD and I haven't actually got many Christian CDs anymore because I took them all to Malaysia and they're all still in Malaysia and my car hasn't got an MP3 player. So so I'd got this CD as I'm on it and I don't really know the songs very well. And there's this song um, that talks about um, waves of grace and the music is really nice actually. I actually like the music. And... Um, I was like, listen to this CD, and it's like, oh, yeah, I forgot. And, you know, we forget. I can forget every day who I really am and who God really is. It's like, what, 
I was like, God, please, can I stop forgetting the truth? So I was just sitting in the car driving, going so, and it's like, and it goes on about these waves of grace, waves of grace. And it talks about, un, Sharon mentioned it yesterday, uncaged community. And what happens is when you're frustrated about something, you, first of all, you put yourself in a cage, for sure, and, and it just becomes distance and disconnection and you end up upsetting people and upsetting yourself. And it's just like, yeah, there's waves of grace for us, for uncaged community. And, and it was just like, I was really set free. And it was great. It was really great. And it was really easy. And there was part of me that was kind of grateful to God, very grateful to God. But what I want to kind of tell you is, so that was Sunday. We had a meeting on Sunday. I talked a bit about it because it was just like that set free. It wasn't, I've got to go away for three weeks and I've only got three months time and I can't get this sorted out until it was like that and you know how much effort I put into it zero so on Sunday after church um Andy Sharon and I were playing this dominoes game that we've got a little bit addicted to so sorry it's rather carnal I know um and and I was still kind of throughout the day had been kind of this kind of, you know, this physical presence of God where you just think, oh yeah, waves of grace, it's waves of grace. And, and it's not up to me, it's waves of grace. And I, I, it's just like such a relief to remember it's his waves of grace, not mine. So I was playing dominoes and I was like, I just closed my eyes a bit because I just thought I'm enjoying another little whoosh of the wave of grace. And Andy kind of said, are you praying that you're going to win? I said, no, I'm just having a wave of grace. And I really felt Holy Spirit kind of speak to me and kind of say, that was a great idea of mine, wasn't it? And I just thought, God. It's like, it's such, you, you realize that you're in such a different place to where you have been before. And I just felt overwhelmed by the kindness of God, that he was more concerned about my being frustrated and, and, and that he would bother to just kind of say, listen to that song. I've got a song that'll help you. And it's like, it wasn't because I had to go and find God again and play all my songs and read my Bible until, it's almost like God was so kind that he just says, hey, listen to that song, it'll do you good. And it's almost like sitting there and it was, I felt like Holy Spirit saying, that was a great idea of mine, wasn't it? And he's like, yes, it was a great idea and it set me free. And it's like, it's a miracle. It's like a complete miracle because I can honestly spend days in it and days in it. And it's almost like it's living in that place of, I, I, didn't, I didn't repent. I mean, I did repent because I don't want to live in that place. So I don't want to live in that horrible place. And I do want to extend grace to people and nobody had really done anything wrong particularly. So... That's how God speaks. And it's living in that place that the flow of your life, you know what? I think God says, when he says, you know, Canada, when he's saying, God, is it Canada? Is it our destiny or is it Bethel? God says, yes, yes, it is. You know, that's his answer, yes. And when you say, God, I think it's our destiny, he says, yes, it is. So when am I supposed to finish? Because I do want to tell this other story. Am I supposed to stop at some point? I can't remember. Anyway. 
Oh, I've got ages, right. Um, I'll better look at my notes if I've got ages. Isn't it? Because... It, it's all right. I'm, I'm slightly off-piste. Yeah. And God. because he wants it more than you want it. And, and we have believed that God is this distant, like, oh, it's your fault. You get out of it. You repent back to me. You read your Bible. You find the right song. And when you have done it, Right, I'm here and you can listen. And, and God just isn't like that. So anyway, this is a very brief, a brief story. So um, um, eight years ago, I decided to give up my job and go to Malaysia. And honestly, it was a massive decision. The reason I made the decision was because I'd always, always had this idea that I would become a missionary in some way. So I always had a heart to go overseas. Um, I kind of believed in those days that if you were really going to be a good Christian, you would be full-time. I don't believe that now, but I did believe it then. So I'm just telling you that because that's how you, our belief systems influence how we hear God. Um, and God has spoken to me. So God has spoken to me through a prophetic word, a number of prophetic words saying, um, you know, that I would stop what I was doing and do something else, it would be overseas. So I'd had a number of prophetic words and, and God really spoke to me. And I can't say I heard the audible voice of God, but it was just circumstance after circumstance after circumstance. And I want to say God never told me you must give up your job. And I don't think God will ever say that because God has given us freedom and a free will. And within the freedom that God has given us, that includes a freedom to do what we want to do and to choose. And that choice is within God's will. It's not we can choose his will or choose not his will. It's the freedom God has given us is a freedom to choose. And it's really hard to grasp it if you've been in any other type of religion. Because if you don't have a freedom to choose, you're not free. You're actually obliged to do his will. You're a captive to do his will. And God is so set us free that we're not obliged to do his will. Okay? Let that mess with your head for a bit. Um, but I really wanted to do his will. And God never told me to stop work. He actually gave me a choice. And I know he gave me a choice because I kept saying to him, you know, is this what you're saying? Are you saying to me to stop work? Because if I stop work, it's fairly devastating. You know, I've invested my whole life in this and now I'm not going to do it, and what will people say, and whatever. But I really felt God say, I I'm giving you a choice here. What do you want to do? Choose. And he did suggest to me that choosing to stop work would be a better choice, but he gave me a choice. So anyway, at the end of all of that, I chose to stop working and to go to Malaysia and to learn about healing in this healing ministry. So I was away for eight years. There was amazing a lot. A lot of amazing, fantastic stuff. I would not be here now if I hadn't done that. But there was quite a lot of stuff that wasn't good in that time. And there was quite a lot of stuff that wasn't so healthy. And there was quite a lot of stuff that I would, having been in it, I would very strongly say I don't, I don't agree with it and I don't believe it. And as a consequence of that, when I came back home, it was quite difficult. And Kingsway had moved on massively. And mercifully, God had moved me on in the same direction in my own life, not within the ministry, but within my own life. God had revealed to me a whole area of grace, which was a real 
amazing thing God had done. Otherwise, I'd have just, I'd have probably stayed in Malaysia, actually. Um, but um, so I was a little bit on the page of Kingsway when I got back. But it was a really difficult, confusing time. And um, who am I? What am I supposed to do? I, I don't. I, I, I just don't know what to do. I don't know who I am. I don't know how to live in this country. They're strange. English people are strange. I don't understand them. Uh, I don't know what's going on in church. It was a really difficult time. And yet I knew it was going to be difficult. So I just knew how to rest. I knew how to settle myself. I didn't, you know, I was whatever, kind to myself. But so I came to... Um, John MacDonald is going to teach us on Father Heart. And at that point, I wasn't very much involved in school. I had taught a bit. I just thought, you know what, Rebecca? I know you know everything there is to know about the Father Heart because I've heard it hundreds of times. But I just thought to myself, why don't you just be kind to yourself? Why don't you just... That's when I first met you. Yeah, yeah, that time. Why don't you just do yourself some good? You know, I know you know all about the Father Heart because, of course, you know everything. Um, (laughs) Just go and shut up and just listen. So I went to listen to him and I I don't, I didn't particularly feel like I needed a revelation of the heart of the Father, although I have to say we all need a revelation of the heart of the Father all the time because none of us can understand the depths of the heart of the Father. So anyway, John McDonald's talking. I can remember a little bit of what he was talking about, but my idea was I'm just going to, chill out with God I'm I'm gonna listen to him but you know I'm just gonna chill out with God so I'm listening and he's he's teaching is great I love him I love what he says but I'm sitting there going God I just need to know did I do it right or did I do it wrong did I make a mistake going to Malaysia or did I not I just need to know because um well, if I made a mistake, well, fine, I can deal with it. I just made a mistake. Um, but then I can move on with my life and I can try and get back to your, you know, perfect will. And, you know, I can forgive myself for making a mistake, but I just need to know, was it a mistake or was it not a mistake? Uh, so then it's like, shut up, shut up, right? Listen to Father Heart, right Father Heart. God, I, I just need to know, can you please tell me, was it a mistake or was it not a mistake? Was it a mistake? Was it not a mistake? And I just, that my underlying kind of heart prayer to God is, did I make a mistake? I just need to know, did I make a mistake? Did I not hear you? Am I the kind of person that is kind of vulnerable to being influenced by things that are not going to be good for me and blah, 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 you know? So John MacDonald is talking about whatever he's talking about, Father Heart. Shut up, Rebecca. Listen to Father Heart. Yeah, but God, I just need to know, did I do it wrong? And um, God spoke to me. And what he said to me was, and I, I mean, God speaks to me with a kind of inner knowing voice. I don't hear his audible voice, but you, you, you know the voice of God because it doesn't quite sound like you and it's much kinder and nicer than you, to be honest. Um, and he said to me, it won't help you if I answer that question. And I'm like, God, Please do not cop out on me here. Please do not give me this ridiculous answer to this question. What do you mean? It doesn't help you if I answer that question. That is no answer to this, you know, heart-rending, terrible place I'm in at the moment because I don't know whether I've done it wrong or done it right. 
He says it doesn't help you. It won't help you to hear the answer. And I think sometimes we can't hear God because God is saying, it's not going to help you. It's not going to help you. I can't answer that question. And so he said, he said to me, I sound like irritated with him, to be honest. So, but I knew God had said that. I knew he said, I can't. That answer, he said, the answer isn't the answer. That's what he said. The answer isn't the answer. Anyway, I started thinking about it. And you thought, I began to think, you know what, God? I really do not like that answer. That is an irritating answer to me. But I can kind of see there is a deep, deep wisdom to that answer. Because what do you do? If God says to me, I love you but you made a mistake and you got it wrong. What happens then? 100 questions. 100 more questions. Why did I get it wrong? I didn't hear God's voice. How am I going to not hear God's how am I going to hear God's voice any ever again? How can I trust myself ever again? How can I trust myself because I'm just a vulnerable person that's going to make irrational decisions? Um do I go back to work? Was everything that happened a terrible mistake? And, and then I would have been left with like a hundred questions and God would have then had a hundred times me going, but God, but God, what about this? What about that? And if he'd have said, fantastic, it was the perfect decision. Y yes, you heard my voice. Uh, it was. A I would then have another hundred questions. Well, God, why? why? Why did you send me to this place where this wasn't right and that wasn't right and why? Why this? Why that? Why that? Why that? So I kind of settled it on the basis of, God, actually, that is a really wise answer. And this part of me thought, God, you're brilliant. Great answer to that question. Fantastic. Okay. Next day, Father Heart, John McDonald. Have I got my answer to my question? But God, I just... I know it doesn't matter, and I know it doesn't help me to know whether it's right or wrong, but could you just tell me, did, did I do it right or wrong? And I'm still going on at it, on, on like this, because it's like, did I do it right or did I do it wrong? I, honestly, I wouldn't ask that question anymore because of the answer that God gave me, because it made me realise that it's an, irrelevant, it's an irrelevant question, to be honest. So eventually, God, in, we, we're sitting there, and I'm, you know, whatever, Talking about Father Heart, nothing to do with Father Heart particularly, except everything to do with the Father Heart. And eventually God spoke to me, and his answer to me was, I loved what you did and the way that you did it. And that was his answer. And it's like, what do you mean, God? You loved what I did and the way that I did it. Is that right or wrong? And he says, I love what you did and the way that you did it. And it is the most freeing thing that set me free like that. God gives brilliant answers. And was I right or wrong? Neither. Because there wasn't a right or wrong. Didn't matter. If I was still in my job today, it doesn't matter. So that gave me a real insight into God's heart. He's not bothered, I don't think, about is it this or is it that? God doesn't actually make those decisions for you. He gives you a free will. That's why you've got a mind and a heart and an emotion and a character. 
And, and if, if you say, when I said to him, God, I really think you're saying go to Malaysia and give up my job and do this. I think I said, go for it. And why he says he loves the way I did it, because I really wanted to do his will. I really wanted to do it, honoring. I asked Andy and Sharon what they thought about it. I didn't go in abject rebellion against everybody else. I, I, he just looked at my heart and my heart was, God, I want to please you. And if in that I made a terrible mistake and didn't actually hear him and he never told me to go to Malaysia, it doesn't matter. I have no idea whether he told me to go to Malaysia or not, but I did. I made that choice. And what is his opinion about that? He loves it. And he loves the way I did it. And it, it really floored me, it absolutely floored me. And God speaks to us in ways that confound us as individuals because he knows who we are. But it made me realize we try and hear his voice, but actually he doesn't speak our language in that way. Um, sometimes he will. Sometimes he will say those things because you just haven't got to that point of, but that's how God speaks. He, he speaks in a language of his value system. And I quite often talk about the currency of heaven. And the currency of heaven is not right or wrong. It is definitely not right or wrong, ever which is hard for us to understand when we're brought up by the Ten Commandments and the law. So we like right or wrong. That's why I want right or wrong. God, just tell me. I can deal with wrong because I can deal with myself. It's really hard to deal with. Yes, either. I love you. I love who I've made you to be and I love the decision you're going to make because I made you. I was like, and, and then in that... You know what, if it's really vital, if it's really vital that you end up in Canada on July the 16th, you know, 2018, I don't think, God, I don't think there's any way you could avoid being there because we're not these rebellious, disobedient individuals who are definitely going to miss God's voice all the time. We love him and he, he, he plays with us. You know, he's like, if, if you can't hear me, if you can't hear me, I'm going to put a ticket through your door. You know, he's... That's how God is because he loves us and he wants us to be at peace and he wants us to hear his voice. Right, one moment. Um, I think I've covered all of this. Have I covered all of it? Without winning. God, God does use worship. He does use songs. He does use what you love um, to help you hear him because you become more focused on the out, you know, not on the anxieties of life. Um, I am going to put this little bit in because it's my kind of, one of my pet kind of issues. Um, I don't think hearing God is a super spiritual thing. and I, I personally am not impressed by people who tell me all the time, God told me this, God told me that, God told me this, God told me that, God told me this and... If we're not careful, it's really hard to relate to somebody when God told them something. And um, we can almost use it as a justification for um, whatever we want to do. So I only did this because God told me to do it. Everyone else thinks it's a really you know, unhelpful thing for you to have done and a bad decision. But if God told you, then... What can I say about it? I can't do anything about it. So personally, I almost never use that term, God told me to do this. Because why, why am I saying that? 
And the fact of the matter is, I don't think God talks to us in that language. I'm not saying he can't, and I'm not saying we don't do things because God wants us to do them. But, but I would say God rarely, rarely would say, you know, don't do this and do this and do that. I just don't think God speaks in those terms anymore. You might think, I really want to go to the park. I really want to go to the park. And you go to the park and, and suddenly you pray for someone who's sick and they get healed. But I wouldn't say God told me to go to the park. I just wouldn't say that. I would just say, I really feel like going to the park. And I know that I am a spiritual being who can hear God. So please don't be super spiritual. It's not impressive. And it really restricts relationship. Because what happens if God told you to do something and it turns out to be an absolute disaster for other people? Does that mean God ordained that disaster? It just, I just say... Let's hold it lightly. And you know what, guys? We might mishear. We might get it wrong. Or might, God might not have said it at all because God doesn't have to tell you to turn right and left and stop and start. He, he's given us a free will. So I would really say, as much as I love to tell you, hear God's voice, he will direct us, he will guide us. Don't let's use this in our relationships with one another because it's really unhelpful. I know that you want to do what God wants you to do. But, you know, I will make a bad decision. Possibly. Because I just made a bad decision. It's not devastating in the will of God, but it just wasn't a great decision. And if I start saying, well, God told me to do it and I'm going to stand my ground and, you know, it just it just gets difficult, you know. So as much as I love to say, hear God's voice, do it, Realize that he doesn't speak to us in legalistic ways, nor does he use his voice as a justification for us to just do whatever we want and then tell everybody else, well, I'm right and you're wrong because I've heard God on this. It just is unhelpful. None of us ever hear the full counsel of God. We always filter in some way. And so we know we all want to hear God and we all know our motivation is to do the will of God. But I would just put that up as a bit of, I don't want to contradict myself, but many times when we teach in school, you say one whole thing and then you immediately have to contradict it. And that's, we can't express God in our English language well enough not to then say, contradict ourselves. Okay. Say again. <laughs> so um, as much as I encourage you to hear God's voice, Life is about hearing God's voice. It's not about the one or two moments when he shouts from heaven, do this. It is a still voice that you might not necessarily hear. And it's about learning to know who your father is and how he speaks to us. And once you know that, you actually don't have to say, Holy Spirit told me to do this because, because it's irrelevant. I know I trust you and, um, and I, 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 you know, I am more than able in my love for you and your love for me to say, that wasn't great what you did. Uh, you know, it didn't help me or it hurt me. But if you say, well, that's what God told me to do. We've kind of come to the end of our loving conversation, haven't we? Because, um, so, do you get what I'm saying? Okay, so I think I've finished. Have I finished any, anything anybody would like to add? I did have a few sets of notes. Paula, you've taught this Many more times than I've... Just coming back to the list of things that you can do, um, 
I know of some people who, you know, just don't, they love doing things like art and painting and craft type things. Um, that's a really good thing to just do with Jesus. Um, I have a friend who loves doing jigsaws. So she just spends time doing jigsaws and talks to Jesus and he talks to her. You know, like, so, so it's, Rebecca talks about walking. Um, so it's just finding that place where you're at peace, you're, you enjoy, and then just talk with God. Thank you for listening to the Destiny podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.